Hello, and welcome to the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast, a deep dive into U.S. immigration law and its relationship to fictitious characters in television and film. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, and I'm based in Los Angeles, California. And joining me today, as he does for every episode, he's also an immigration attorney. He's also with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, but he's based in New York, and he's still looking for his backpack full of goodies that he left on the beach in Hawaii. It's Mr. Roderick Potts. <laughs> Hello, Shad. Hello. I got the backpack back, but it was missing a few things. Oh, man. It, all, it <laughs> always happens, doesn't it? <laughs> Rod, How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. We've been discussing this show for a while. It's the mm-hmm. newest show that we've ever done on the podcast. And I think it's going to be exciting to do something current. Yeah, I think this is this is good. I think I would like to just jump right at the beginning and just say that uh, because this is a current show, that you know we probably should should let people know that there's uh, some going to be some spoilers here that we're going to be talking about the plot of the show and what happens in the show. So if you haven't seen all the episodes, we recommend you go ahead watch the full series first before we jump into it. Definitely, because there's some big surprises in this show, and before we get into the show. Rod, you know, this is a television series that takes place on a paradise vacation. I know you're one for leisure and one for vacationing. What's your uh, take on resort and paradise vacations? So I used to kind of be more of the mind that I didn't want to spend my whole vacation in one place, like in a in a, in a a resort. But I feel like, uh, you know, with a couple, a little experience under my belt and a little age, I'm not opposed to it. And certainly I could easily spend a week at the White Lotus. Yeah, I I kind of have two different types of vacations I go on. I like a cultural vacation, you know, where I go to a, a city in Europe and I really take in the culture. And then I mm-hmm. have my my relaxation, resort vacations, where I can just lay on a beach and go to the pool. So as long as the resort is fancy enough and exclusive enough. I'm all about a resort vacation. So, <laughs> well, it sounds like the White Lotus might be for you then. It it was up there. It was up there. I definitely, um, I could have stayed there. So uh, we're not going to just talk about vacationing, although that that could be a fun podcast for another date. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna um, do our little thing here. So, what is the Asta La Visa Baby podcast for those who have never been with us before, and for those who have forgotten? Here's what it is. Every episode. We focus on a particular movie or television show that features a foreign national character living in the U.S. We are going to do a deep dive into the movie or television show, focusing on the specific foreign national character. We are going to use our immigration detective skills to figure out what the character's U.S. visa status may have been, what problems or issues the character may have faced living in the U.S., and we are going to talk about a hypothetical consultation if the character came to us to ask for advice. And very important, we are going to imagine that all characters are living in a 2021 U.S. immigration world, which shouldn't be a problem for this episode because the show just came out in 2021. This is the first show or first movie that we're, that we're covering that actually takes place in 2021. Yeah, so. you see, we're not just people who live in the past. We can live in the present, too. Yeah, we, we try. Yeah, yeah, we try. We try. <laughs> so today we are going to be breaking down the hit HBO television show that just came out this past summer, The White Lotus. And Rod, a big fan of The White Lotus. You actually introduced me to The White Lotus. You said, Shy, 
there's this show on HBO you have to watch. I said, is there? And you mm. said, yes. And I said, ooh, it's good. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Ooh, it's, it's ooh, good. Ooh, it's good. Ooh, it's good. <laughs> so, Rod, tell everybody uh, how good this show is. What what happens in this show? All right. So uh, the, the White Lotus is a six-episode TV show that premiered on HBO on July 11, 2021, and contains elements of both comedy and drama. It was filmed and takes place in Hawaii at a fictional at a fictional luxury resort called the White Lotus. Uh, the show focuses on select members of the hotel staff and their interaction with a specific group of separately traveling guests who arrive at the resort on the same day. The major players of the hotel staff include the hotel manager, an Australian who is a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Uh, the head of the hotel spa, who's kind and caring to both staff and guests, and a younger male employee who is a native Hawaiian. Uh, the guests include a family of four and their daughter's college friend, who are all forced to face the challenging relationships they have with one another, a newly married young couple who are from different class backgrounds, who have very different conceptions of how their lives are going to be played out now that they're married, and a wealthy single woman in her 50s who's grieving over her recently departed mother. The show focuses on themes including class, privilege, family strife, drug abuse, and the impact of colonization on indigenous peoples. While the show starts off with the knowledge drop that somebody at the White Lotus Hotel has died during the stays of the particular guests that the show focuses on, we don't find out who the victim is until the season finale. And it really was a, was it a surprise when we find out who it was? I, I, I think it was kind of leading up to it. It was kind of leading up to it. The show ends very, very far from where it began. Yeah. So when we first find out that somebody dies, obviously, you know, we, we have no clue who it possibly right. could be. I think it, 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 there are hints throughout the, this, the, the series, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it was the, the scene itself came as a shock to me. I, I don't uh, think I, it really I, mattered. I wasn't I think, expecting it. I think the show didn't really matter who died. And if somebody even died, I think it was just uh, a red herring in the beginning to get you drawn in. But as the show plays out, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's. I, I thought the show was going to be kind of like a, almost like a detective, kind of like a like who an Agatha it? Christie, yeah, kind of a kind of a thing, like a Murder on the Orient Express sort of setup. But yeah, the murder is not central to the story at all, which is which I thought was a pretty cool dis, you know, misdirect. And during the course of the series, I kind of tried to think about well, who is it who dies and why. Like, you know, right, somebody right. dies. Is it suicide? Is it murder? You know, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was kind of an, it was an interesting thing to have in the back of your mind when you're watching the show. For sure. And um, as always, I've uh, searched the internet for some interesting facts about the show. So, so let me throw some of these interesting facts out for you, Rod. I know you love right. this. I love it when you do research. This is a good one. The show was filmed at the Four Seasons Resort in Maui in the fall of 2020. Fun fact about the Four Seasons Resort in Maui. I did not stay at the Four Seasons Resort in Maui. However, I did stay at a resort down the road, and uh, my wife and I had dinner at the Four Seasons Resort in Maui. So we were at the White Lotus Hotel. There you go. That's how was the meal? It was a fantastic meal. I think it was Wolfgang Puck's restaurant, or one of those celebrity chefs, one of those guys. All right. Yeah. Good. Well, good meal. That's so. You have a personal connection to this story. I love Hawaii, and I love the White Lotus for sure. The White Lotus was created, written, and directed by Mike White, 
whose past works include writing and producing on Dawson's Creek, writing the movie The School of Rock, and appearing on reality shows such as The Amazing Grace and Survivor. The White Lotus is critically well-received. It currently holds an 88% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. The show was meant to be a limited series, consisting of only six episodes, but due to its popularity, it was renewed for a second season. They say that the second season will apparently feature an entirely new cast set at a different White Lotus property in another exotic location. So good stuff. Yeah, those are some fun facts for everybody. Yeah, I was wondering about that 88% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I guess that maybe seems about right because I can. I thought this was a fantastic show, but I question you know, those who don't like it. I question those 12%. <laughs> I mean, what are you looking for? <laughs> Has everything. This show it's has still a, it's still a pretty good approval rating, I think. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, okay, everybody. Uh, today we're going to be focusing on a particular character, and the character we're focusing on, his name was Armand, and he was played by Murray Bartlett. So, Rod, can you give us a breakdown of the character known as Armand? Certainly. Armand is the manager of the White Lotus Resort, and he plays uh, a somewhat anti-hero and tragic character. When we're introduced to Armand, he's very adamant about making guests feel welcome, giving them an escape from their regular lives that they're looking for, and, uh, and, and not letting the guests really know anything too personal about the staff. The goal is to create for the guests an overall impression of vagueness. They get everything they want, but they don't even know what they want. So Armand's ethos is flipped when he encounters a guest named Shane, played by Jake Lacey. Uh, Jane is a young, newly married man and a product of nepotism who cannot stop complaining about the fact that he and his new wife, celebrating their honeymoon, did not get the pineapple suite as Shane's mom had booked for them. We did book the room with the pool and we paid for it. My mom forwarded me the booking. Shane! What? I'm not going to let him ruin our honeymoon. No, but he's not. You are. So Shane's constant complaining and whining causes Armand to fall off the wagon after uncovering a lost backpack containing both illegal drugs and prescription medications. Instead of turning the backpack over to the rightful owner, he keeps the contraband in his office and proceeds to abuse during work hours throughout the series. Uh, his drug use and alcohol binges lead him to spiral out of control, especially res with respect to his interactions with Shane. You know, he starts to, to sort of one-up Shane at every turn, and that ultimately results in, spoiler alert, in Armand's tragic death. One night while Shane and his wife are not in their suite, Armand enters without their permission. Uh, when Shane unexpectedly returns, he ends up stabbing Armand to death, thinking that Armand is a violent intruder. Wow, poor Armand. I really like Armand. Uh, there weren't a lot of people on the show to to root for, but I was kind <laughs> they of certainly were not. Yeah, uh, there were kind of some awful people on this show. And Armand, although he had his issues and he didn't do things by the book, and there were some questionable, you know, moral things that he was doing, kind of an okay guy who just had some demons. Yeah, I think I think what happened was that you know I, I agree with you completely. Armand is, is by far my favorite character in the show. And he, uh, I think he's meant to be maybe perhaps the most relatable character to the audience. Like you're sort of, you know, I, I feel like we're meant to sort of experience this a little bit with some sympathy for our, for, for Armand. Um, yeah, I think he, he, it's, it's established that, that uh, with Shane, especially, uh, you know, Shane's 
constant complaining about not getting the pineapple suite. It was Armand's mistake. He, he, the, the hotel made a mistake. And instead of just fessing up to it, he tries to bury it and, and get around it and avoid it. And, and Shane just will not, you know, which, you know, that strategy probably would have worked eight times out of 10, but this time it just didn't work. Not with, not with a guy like Shane, that's for sure. Messing with the wrong guy. And so it just, it, everything unravels pretty spectacularly. Yeah, and and speaking of unraveling spectacularly, we have to talk about immigration. I know that a lot of you just want to hear us, uh, you know, riff about pop culture, but we're going to talk about immigration. So basically, Armand, how do we know that Armand needed a visa? So there's a few things going on here. Number one, it's all about the accent, right? We've said this before, we'll say it again. Rod and I, we are really good with the accents. And and we can tell right off the bat, oh, that's an Australian. There we go. Not to mention the fact that he was also played by Murray Bartlett, an Australian actor. A fantastic Australian actor. So good. We'll talk about him later. Um, yeah. But also, you know, let's say he wasn't played by an Australian actor. Just to confirm that that's an Australian accent, I spoke to my good friend, Dean who used to live in Los Angeles. He unfortunately moved back to Australia earlier this year. Dean, you made a big mistake. But anyway, I said, Dean, does that sound like an Australian to you? And this is Dean's quote. He sounds like a good Aussie bloke from Sydney. So there you have it. If you didn't believe me, a real Australian born and raised admits it. There you go. Okay, so we've got the accent. We know that he was played by an Australian actor. So Armand is Australian. There's no indication in the show that he's married. So we don't know anything really about his visa status, but we're going to assume for the purposes of this show that he would have needed a visa to uh, live and work in the U.S. So as an Australian, Rod, are there any types of visas that are specifically for Australians? There are. There is the E3 specialty occupation visa for Australians. Uh, the E3 visa classification applies only to Australian nationals who are coming to the U.S. to perform what is known as a specialty occupation. I've heard the specialty occupation terminology thrown out there out there before. Well, what what is a specialty occupation, Rod? A specialty occupation is one that requires the attainment of at least a bachelor's degree or higher in order to perform the occupation. So what you're saying is is that as long as the sponsored foreign national has a bachelor's degree, he or she can be qualified for this E3 visa? Well, that's part of it, but it's not exactly the whole thing. Uh, the bachelor's degree must be in a field that is related to the occupation. So, you know, for example, the basic example I always give when I'm talking to clients is uh, for someone who's going to be a computer programmer, for example, or a you know, software engineer, you need a computer science or computer engineering degree. So like uh, a degree but, in English literature, just because that person has a bachelor's degree doesn't necessarily mean they're going to qualify. Correct. Correct. The, the, the degree has to be directly related to the role or closely related. And the role really has to require the degree. So, you know, the job has to be one that traditionally uh, requires that degree. All right. So I'm understanding that a specialty occupation is for a role that requires uh, at least a bachelor's degree in a specific uh, field that's related to the role. So um, how does one apply for an E3 visa? 
So the E3 classification is employer driven. Uh, a US employer must sponsor the Australian foreign national for the visa classification. And part of this is that the employer must make an attestation uh, that they will pay the prevailing wage for the role within the area of intended employment. Then to, but to directly sponsor the individual, they either file a petition with the immigration service in the United States, or they prepare the application that the individual can uh, use and, and present directly to an overseas uh, embassy or consulate. Uh, Interesting. And, and so two, two ways direct. to apply. You can uh, file a petition from within the United States, or you can prepare an application and send that person to appear at an interview where they're actually interviewed by an officer. Correct. Wow. If somebody is approved for an E3 visa, what's the deal? How long can they actually work in the U.S.? Forever? Not quite forever, but E3 status is valid for two-year increments. After two years, you can you can get a renewal. You can either go, you can following the same process before, you can either go to apply for a new visa, which would be a, a valid for an additional two years, or you can uh, get, uh, and your employer can petition for an extension with USCIS, ah. which would be a two-year extension. And is there any limit on the number of extensions you can have? There's no specific limit. However, the E3 visa classification is known as a single intent visa, which we discussed in uh, you know the concept of single and dual intent in a previous episode. We discussed um, that in our episode nine, where we talked about Paolo from Friends. That's right. So we talked about that. If you're curious about single and dual intent, hop back, listen to episode nine, and then jump back here with us. Just to revisit that, a single intent means that one must have the intent to eventually depart the United States, uh, You know, in this case, to most likely Australia. All right. So now we have an understanding of what this E3 visa is. Interesting visa because it's only for Australians. I think this is the first visa that we've spoken about that pertains only to a specific country. A lot of the visas we've spoken about can pertain to people from different countries. This one, only Australian. Uh, that's right. And this, yeah, this visa originally appeared in uh, in 2005 as a thank you to the country of Australia for its participation in the war on terror. <laughs> thank you, Australia, for helping us fight terror. Thank <laughs> you very right. much. We'll give you visas for that. There we go. Um, so let's talk about how the E3 visa might relate to the character of focus today, Armand. All so, right. So, you know, we have to ask ourselves, is it possible that Armand, who's an Australian, had an E3 visa? So let's do a little bit of legal analysis, shall we? We know that Armand was the hotel manager at the White Lotus. So the first question I have for you, Rod, mm -hmm. is, is a hotel manager a specialty occupation, meaning is a hotel manager an occupation that typically requires the attainment of a bachelor's degree? I think we have to start there. Certainly, that's 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 exactly where we would start. And I think that you can you can definitely make an argument in this case uh, that that this role would be a specialty occupation. You know, first, according to the Department of Labor Occupational Outlook Handbook, called the OOH. Oh, very right. handy. It's a very oh, handy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a very handy book. Uh, most full service hotel chains hire hotel manager candidates with bachelor's degrees in hospitality or hotel management. 
the immigration service, they're always impressed when when the Occupational Outlook Handbook or what we call the OOH, uh, you know, supports the idea that, that a particular job requires at least a bachelor's degree. They they love it. Yeah, they do. Um, so in this situation, we have something going for us. We know that the Occupational Outlook Handbook says that hotel manager positions usually require at least a bachelor's degree. So are we done there? If the Department of Labor, you know, OOH states a job requires a bachelor's degree, is that enough for you, Rod, or do you like to do something else? So while the Immigration Service does love that the OOH supports this argument, it certainly would not be enough. I would not. I would never want to rely just on that. So it's better. It's always best to make some additional arguments, uh, such as the company uh, typically hires those with uh, bachelor's degrees or this specific bachelor's degree into the role. And also to show that other companies, other comparable companies within the industry would typically hire those with bachelor's degrees in the role. Right. So this is the White Lotus Hotel, which is like a very luxurious, very big hotel that has a very sophisticated um, business model, sophisticated clients. So it's possible, you know, that a hotel like this for the hotel manager role would hire those with bachelor's degrees, but maybe a smaller hotel like, you know, the Super 8 or, uh, you know, Best Western, no offense to them, but maybe those types of establishments don't need somebody with a bachelor's degree. So it's all about, you have to place the, the, the employer in the context of where their company lies in the grand scheme of things. Wouldn't you say? Exactly. Exactly. The fantastic point that when we're making this argument, that the typical uh, that the degree is typically required in the industry we want to draw the quote unquote industry very narrowly and say this is the luxury hotel industry this is not just uh, right. any old hotel so, right very good point very good point very valid Absolutely thank you thank, thank you so much rod it makes me feel good to hear that my clients don't tell me i make good points but you do well, and anytime shy, I'm always I'm always here to validate. Well, I have some clients that tell me, but you know, you know, I get a lot of. Uh, uh, let's not get into it. But anyway, let's not get into it. <laughs> so, so the job of hotel manager is one that we can argue is a specialty occupation because it is typically one that requires a bachelor's degree. So now, we would have to prove that Armand had at least a bachelor's degree in a field related to hotel management. We don't know much about Armand, but what what can you say about Armand? So as as long as he held a bachelor's degree or the U.S. equivalent of a bachelor's degree, um, so you know, for example, he doesn't it doesn't have to be a U.S. degree. He could have gotten his degree in Australia. As long as his degree, his Australian degree, is equivalent to a U.S. degree, then um, you know, provided it's in a field like hospitality, hotel management, you know, maybe even something like marketing or sales, perhaps, uh, you know, we could probably make the argument that those are sufficiently related. And I think we'd have a, uh, a compelling case. Yeah. It would be up to us to make the argument. So the question is, you know, from what we see on, on the television, do we think that Armand is the type of guy to have a bachelor's degree? I see a very suave, sophisticated gentleman. Um, he knows the ins and outs of the hotel industry. It looks like he's been doing this for a long time. I would say, it's hard to judge somebody and just right off the bat. I mean, I look at you, Rod, I think PhD, but lo and sure, behold, yeah, you don't right. have a PhD. No. But that's what I thought. So just, just because- Just a lowly JD. <laughs> just a, a, a doctor of jurisprudence. Yeah, but, that's right. But Armand, um, what do you think? You think he, he would have, I mean, he would have needed a bachelor's degree or the equivalent of a bachelor's degree to have an E3 visa. So what do you, what do you right. think? 
Well, so I, I would, I would, I would think I agree with you. I think you know, he carries himself in a fairly sophisticated way. He's very professional. So I would, I would, why not? I, I feel like at the White Lotus, I feel like the White Lotus would be very discerning in its hiring practices, and would probably, for their hotel manager, would look for, but they would, they would probably want a degree, you know, a, a degree or, you know, I mean, perhaps, you know, he's either got the degree or he's got a tremendous amount of experience to get him in there. But, you know, I, I think we can, we can safely say he's got a related degree. I think so. I think that we know Armand's Australian. We know that he would have needed a visa and the E3 specialty occupation visa is the visa that would have best fit Armand. So mm-hmm. Mike White, when you were writing the character of Armand, not sure if you thought about this, but uh, we did. So we are plugging in the holes that all of yep. these TV shows and these you know movies have. Visa status solved. Yeah, Mr. White, if you need advice for season two, you know where to come. <laughs> Give us a ring. Yeah. <laughs> or, or send us an email or something, whatever. Sure. You can get in contact with us. We'll be famous yeah. by then. That's um, right. <laughs> so let's do something a little bit out there, Rod. We have, uh, this is our 10th episode, and we've covered a number of different characters, both in movies and television shows. And as we were talking about Armand, I was thinking to myself, goodness, me oh my, this guy, he's very similar to another character that we covered. So just to remind everybody, way back, way back in episode one, last winter, when we were just, you know, novices at this podcasting stuff, we covered a movie called Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And we spoke about the concierge at the Plaza Hotel, Mr. Mm-hmm. Hector. Mr. Hector. <laughs> so there's a lot of similarities between Mr. Hector and Armand. Rod, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would say there are, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> we're we're going to go over some of those those similarities. So, yeah, we can, we can walk through those. So, Rod, both Armand and Mr. Hector worked for luxury hotels would you remind everybody i mean i just said it but remind everybody where where mr hector worked sure mr hector worked at the plaza hotel what kind of hotel is that rod where where is this hotel located that hotel is located on the corner right on the southeastern corner of central park in manhattan on the corner of fifth avenue and 59th streets look at you go i like that and and of course you know armand worked at the white lotus luxury properties Mm -hmm. uh both of them were obsessed with a particular younger male guest, weren't they? Yeah. Yes. It's 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 it's, it's kind of funny. I didn't really think about it until you pointed this out to me, but I was like, yeah, they 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 both of them, yes. In Home Shane's, Alone, in, yeah, yeah in, Home, it, in Home Alone, in Home Alone, it's it's uh, Mr. Hector is obsessed with Kevin, and then uh, in in the White Lotus, Mr. Shane, uh, Miss Armand, sorry, is is obsessed with Shane. Uh, you know, it, it just it's it's kind of funny when you when you put it in those in those terms. I hadn't really thought about the connection yeah. at all. But that's yeah. you know, that, that's why we do this podcast. Uh, this is the striking symbol. This is why we do it to to point yeah. compare and contrast. Um yep. there's real law school stuff here. So I love this one. Both of them, both Armand and Mr. Hector, they both broke into the suites of guests that they were obsessed <laughs> with. I mean, I mean, when we were talking about Mr. Hector, we were talking about how the one thing you don't want to do when you work for a hotel is to break into the room of a guest while the guest is in the shower. Right. Yeah. So, so Mr. Hector (laughs) breaks into Kevin's room to snoop around where he's obsessed with Kevin and Armand is obsessed with Shane and he breaks into Shane's room. Both of them breaking and entering. Yeah. Interesting. Awful stuff. Awful stuff. Yeah. And, and I think Rod, both of them, they would have, these would, 
they were engaging in offenses that probably would have resulted in termination, correct? In both cases. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Armand was, of course, you know, partaking in some uh, extracurricular substances at work. And uh, Mr. Sure. Hector. Yeah. Frowned upon by management generally. Usually. Usually. Yeah. Um, and, and Mr. Hector, you know, was breaking into a child's room. Yeah. <laughs> Not good things. Yeah, not good things, but yeah, we find these characters, which is great. I like we, that we, we for some we reason t- we relate to them very well. We we tend to focus on these characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting how foreign national characters in movies and films sometimes are bad guys. Isn't it? Isn't it interesting? That is, yeah. <laughs> okay, but but there's not it's not all similarities. There are some differences. So sure, one difference is I one difference I noted is that Armand appeared to have a lot more authority and responsibility than Mr. Hector, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Armand truly, truly is the, the, the real manager. And, you know, you he, see him throughout, throughout the course of the series, of the, of the series, sort of, you know, doling out responsibilities to people and making sure things are getting done. Mr. Hector, much less so. Yeah. Mr. Hector was kind of just behind the desk when he wasn't stalking Kevin mm-hmm. McAllister and breaking into his room, but Armand exactly. controls the show. He He's yep. really the manager of that property. Mm-hmm. We don't see, Mr. Hector doing drugs and drinking. Uh, it might have been off screen. This was a children's movie. Um, <laughs> again, right. Mr. Hector was kind of creepy. Something's going on with him. So, but but from what we see, Armand is the drug addict and the alcoholic, not Mr. Hector. So that's a key difference. Yeah, that's a yeah a, a, a very key difference. Yeah, this is a big difference. <laughs> Armand was killed by the subject of his obsession. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Hector, not killed. Not killed, at least not at the end of the film that we that we see on screen. Yeah, we don't know where he's going off uh, in the in the wee hours of the night in Manhattan. He could be putting himself in some tricky situations. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, you know, Armand takes it further than Mr. Hector did. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and I think this was the biggest difference between them. So, Mr. Hector, he had the honor of working for uh, the owner of the Plaza Hotel at the time. This was go- this was a person who became a future reality television show star. And he also did something else, this man, very, very important in the history of America. And you know what that is. He he had a Yeah, he did some stuff for the WWE, I think. Yeah, yeah. He had a cameo yeah. on the WWE. So the owner yeah. the owner of the Plaza Hotel went on to uh reality stardom and uh WWE. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah tidy career in television yeah yeah those were the accomplishments that he had and and we don't know who armand mr armand's you know employer was so we don't know if he had the same level of superstardom that a wwe cameo person might have had sure right yeah right he does call in in the latter part of the of the of the series but but we're never really well acquainted with the the upper upper management right right so so yeah mr hector armand strikingly similar in many ways and a little bit different in other ways but for the most part they're similar kinds of people yeah, um fun connection fun connection to make fun connection and speaking of fun you know there are clients that we meet with that are fun there are clients that we meet with that aren't fun armand i think this guy would have been a ball a, yeah. a, a class act so yeah, I, I would have had a great time to, i would have had a great time working with him i think yeah so we're going to do a hypothetical consultation with armand because uh, there's a lot of things that went down in Armand's life at the White Lotus Hotel, which would have needed him to call us for advice. Mm-hmm. So Very likely. So to bring everybody up to speed here, towards the end of the show, it appears that Armand, all of his activities are going to catch up with him. Uh, it looks like he's going to get fired. 
you know, Shane throughout the series was putting in complaints to Armand's supervisor. And I think towards the end of the show, uh, the superior wanted to have a conversation with Armand, most likely to terminate him. And I think Armand knew he was going to get terminated. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And, 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 and justifiably thing, for, yeah. for reason, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was sexually harassing fellow employees. There was drinking yeah. and taking drugs on the job. There was mistreatment of guests. These seem to be fireable offenses. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm not very well acquainted with the hospitality industry, but these things generally tend to be things that management frowns on across the board. And I, I, I suspect that, you know, the hotel industry is no different. Not a good look for your employees to do, be doing these things. So, no. so basically, for our consultation with Armand, we're going to imagine that he comes to us for immigration advice when he finds out that he is most likely going to get fired. That would probably be the point where he says, I better get Shy and Rod on the phone. I need to understand what happens with my current mm -hmm. immigration situation if I do get fired. Sure. So we're going to leave aside the criminal situation here because we're not criminal lawyers and we don't want to talk about the criminal implications. Let's just talk about him you know, getting fired. So Rod, my question to you is what are the consequences of getting fired from your job if you're in E3 visa status. What oh what will happen? So assuming he actually gets terminated, from the date of termination, he would have a 60-day grace period uh, to do one of the following things. Uh, he would either need to find a new company to sponsor him for E3 employment or potentially another status if, if, if he qualified. But you know, finding another, another sponsor is the first option. Changing him, his immigration status to something else, such as a tourist, that you know wouldn't allow him to stay long term and wouldn't allow for employment, but it would buy him some some more time to uh, to depart. Uh, or the third option would be to depart the United States. So so Armand, we would basically tell him, you know, unfortunately, if you do get fired, your visa status is tied to your employment with the White Lotus. If you're not employed with the White Lotus, then you can't really be in E3 visa status anymore. But the good news is you have 60 days to do one of those three things. The easiest thing, of course, would be to find another hotel to hire him. It might be hard for him to get a reference from the White Lotus after what happened. I would, I would imagine very much so. Uh, but again, you know, there are 60 days for Armand, 60 days to find another solution, aren't there? Yep. And a lot of people, they think, oh, you know, I have to leave the United States immediately. I'm getting deported. You're not getting deported, Armand. You have 60 days. It's a, I think it's a pretty good amount of time to figure out some things. And then that's what we would counsel him to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then and in, th in theory, a new, a new, if, if he could land a job at a different hotel, they could file the petition directly with the immigration service. Right. And, you know, once it, assuming it got approved, they could get him on board right away. Yeah. Um, unfortunately though, you know, he never really had that chance, did he? Because, uh, no, he did not. We didn't, Shane, yeah. Shane killed him. Yeah. <laughs> killed him. Yeah. Not, and not, you know, it, it, it's, and it, I like the way the show kind of plays with that a little bit. That you know, it's Shane thinks he's doing it in self defense. He doesn't. Right. Even, he doesn't right. know it's Armand. He doesn't. He just knows that someone's in his room. Right. Right. So, I mean, it might beg the question: What would you do if you were in that situation? You know. Sure. Well, I wouldn't right, have. Right. Ups, I wouldn't have upset the hotel manager so much. No. So, no. No. You know. I also. I don't need. I don't need <laughs> weapons. I got. I got two weapons right here, and <laughs> I'm. I'm showing my fists, everybody. But right, real tough yeah. guy. Real tough he's, guy. He's, 
Shy is one of the toughest. <laughs> one of the, one of one of the toughest. <sighs> Let's do our overall takeaways from the show. This episode is just going to be Rod and I. Last episode we had our uh, office uh, cultural aficionado, pop culture aficionado, Joanna. Thanks, Joanna, mm-hmm. again. Everybody is saying that you did a great job, so we'll have you on in the future. But today it's just going to be us, like old times, Rod. Yep, just like old times. So here's my first takeaway. Murray Bartlett, the man who played Armand, this guy should be a superstar. I know he's done some, he was, he's, he was in the, he was on the, I think the HBO show looking, I know he's done some other, he's, he's done some other stuff. He's been around. I think he's known, he's a known actor, but I have not seen any of his other work. I was blown away by him. I loved, I loved his performance. I thought he was fantastic. He's so good. Every time he's on, on the screen, you just are glued to the screen. What is he going to do next? What is he going to say? Say, what is his reaction going to be? I, I yeah. what a great job. I, I hope he gets nominated for a golden globe for this performance. He's well deserving of it. And I hope to see him soon and some more, uh, more stuff. Yeah. I'm 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 certain that that'll be the case. He perfectly embodied this character, I think, and uh, I I'm 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 partial to the character of Armand, obviously. So <laughs> I, you know, I feel like that you know you know Murray Bartlett just he he got the the best character in the show, but also he really ran with this and just made it fantastic. You know, I mean, for he's, sure. He's, he's he's as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the one of the one of the great high points of this show. Definitely. And if if Murray Bartlett's character Armand is one of the high points of the show, one of the low points of the show, one of the worst characters on the show is this 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 schmo named Shane. Right? <laughs> so Rod, when we were watching The White Lotus, we were texting each other back and forth as we were watching the episodes every week. And mm-hmm. my my biggest take about Shane and I said it was that Shane is just a souped up version of Andy from the office. <laughs> so if, if everybody out there remembers Andy from the office, he was kind of like this preppy spoiled brat who went to Cornell. And then all of a sudden Shane shows up in one of the later episodes wearing a Cornell hat. Wearing his and Cornell I was hat. like, this guy is Andy from the office. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that he's just like a exaggerated version of Andy from the office? Uh, yeah, he is. He is. Uh, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, I was telling you before. So, you know, um, you know, Shane is is played by an actor named Jake Lacey. Right. And I said before that I hesitate to watch. I hated Shane so much. The worst. That I hesit- to Jake Lacey's credit, I hesitate to watch anything else that Mr. Lacey does because I hate Shane so much. <laughs> Shane, Shane, just a product of nepotism, hasn't done anything yeah. for himself, and he takes himself so seriously. Yeah, it's and, just a completely spoiled brat. Oh man, know? we yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting. Speaking of Shane and Andy, is that they both went to Cornell. What is with Hollywood making fun of characters who attended Cornell? So I wanted to know what the answer to this question i have my ideas but i wanted to speak to somebody who went to cornell so the last time i was in new york for labor day weekend i had dinner with a a very close high school friend of mine david what's up david out there and i said to david i looked at him in the eyes and i said david why do you think hollywood it's (laughs) why do you think why do you think holly he's an eye doctor too so why do you you go (laughs) why do you think hollywood continuously makes fun of people who went to cornell and cornell so David looked at me very seriously and he thought long and hard. And he said, you know, I was uh, not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, I think it's because Cornell is probably the easiest Ivy League school to get into. 
But then he also said, but once you get in, it's very hard to stay in. So th- thank you, David, for, for giving us some insight into why Hollywood directors poke fun at Cornell. Yeah, thank you, David. Yeah, friend of the pod. Yeah, um, that's great. Another takeaway from the show is that I'm really disappointed that at the end of the show, Shane's wife, Rachel, who left him during the show, she comes back to him. Yeah. And, and you know, the, there's um, the last scene that I also I was very disappointed to see that, um, you know, just because it seemed like Rachel was moving in the right direction, you know, was 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 seeking to liberate herself from this mistake that she had clearly made. Um, you know, there's a scene she goes. Belinda, yeah, she was the, the spa manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so she has this long conversation with Belinda and she starts to talk to Belinda. And that's when Belinda just drops it and says, Checks you know out. what? I, I am not interested in hearing any more of your problems. You know, Belinda has her own. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the other stories of the other guests with Belinda and, and what she goes through. But, but you know, she she says, I am checked out. I am not interested in helping you at I, all. I think she said and, I'm out of advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what happens is I think that that Rachel just feels like there's no there, there's no one to help her. There's no one to rely on. And she can't she can't liberate herself. Rachel will never be yeah. happy with that guy. Oh, never. no, never, never, never. no. She's never. already unhappy and they've barely been married, you know, only a few days. So yeah, yeah that, that yeah. I agree. Definite disappointment to see that, to see that, that, that ends up. Big mistake, Rachel. And um, what do you think about this, Rod? If Mike White, the creator of the show, if he knew that there would be a season two, do you think that he would have killed off Armand? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think if, if he had envisioned this show as something that would go on more than just, you know, just a, a, a small little miniseries, I, I think he would have kept Armand. He's so uh, charismatic, right? He's so charismatic. He's so great. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't really, you know, when he was writing it, perhaps maybe he didn't know exactly how, how great the character would right. end up, you know, in the right. hands of, 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 a of good Mary old Margaret. Murray. But, but um, yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I don't think so, actually. I, yeah. I think that uh, you know the the show definitely would have gone in a very different direction. If, yeah, if the second season was planned. And speaking of the second season that was uh, you know put put forth or that's going to be go forward, what are our expectations for season two? So yeah, um, so it's going to yeah, be difficult. Our... I think it's going to be difficult to reach the peaks that this first season reached. Right? Yeah, I agree. I think you know this this series was created as a limited series with a specific story to tell that story has been told. So I, I think that the, you know, probably in my opinion, I think is the best option for this would be, you know, not to revisit the same themes, you know, don't do the same show over again. Right. So the whole idea of class privilege, colonization, right. All that imperialism. I mean, if they're if those issues, if they're going to, if they're going to continue to explore these issues, it has to be done in a completely different way. Yeah, I like the idea of maybe something more like you know the Wire, where that was, you know, every season dealt with something. All of the themes were interconnected, but they looked at something total, wholly different. You know, there yeah, was a, it was a completely. You know, I, I I think you know this. I like this premise for a, a show, but they're going to need to mix it up and make it really different. Yeah. The you know, rumors sort of are type of thing. the rumors are, is that the show is going to focus on a different white Lotus property in a different part of the world, a different set of guests, different hotel managers. So looking forward to it, Mike white, let's mm-hmm. see what you can do. Cause this yeah. first season was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the white Lotus from an immigration perspective. 
We definitely hope that we entertained you, we uh, educated you, and we surprised you. That's that's all we're hoping to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, a little. Uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, little information about the E3 out there for for all you folks, and there's you know a couple of other uh, country specific visa classifications. We hope to get to those as well. Yeah, there's never ending uh, set of visa classifications that we're going to get to. We have uh, more episodes to do. And when you want to listen to those episodes, the best way to do it is to subscribe to the podcast. Because when you subscribe, you're just notified that Shy and mm-hmm. Rod are back. Our voices will be with you. It takes it takes no effort whatsoever. No, no the, the rating can take an effort, but but you know, rating rating us five stars pretty easy. So keep on yeah, rating the, us. Keep on subscribing. Yep. Tell your your friends, your family, your animals, pets to subscribe. We love it. We love subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And you know. We're already, I mean, you're listening to us now, you know where to find us, but we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, and et cetera. <laughs> this joke will never get old, will it, Rod? No, it never does. <laughs> we uh, also like to hear from our listeners. We are getting mail in all the time, all kinds of interesting questions. People challenge us, people praise us, people, um, so a little bit of criticism, not that much, mostly love, but we have an email address. Rod, can you tell everybody what that email address is? Sure can. Our email address is astalavisa at gibney.com. That's astalavisa, H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. Yeah, send in your questions. Send in your fan mail. We we can't wait to get it. And if if you're lucky, we'll we'll, sh- we'll give you a shout out on one of our episodes. Yeah. The next episode of the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast, everybody's waiting for, for us to reveal what the next episode is. We are going to do something uh, that I've been looking forward to. We're going to be talking about definitely one of the greatest television shows ever made. We're doing The Sopranos, everybody. And we're going to focus on a uh, mafia member from Italy who was integral to the show. His name was Furio. Mm-hmm. He was on um, a number of seasons of the show. We're going to talk about what kind of uh, visa status Mr. Furio would have needed in order to uh, basically be a made man living in the suburbs of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And another Italian. Another Italian, exactly. And I think that this is going to be very timely because of the new movie that just came out, The Many Saints of Newark, which is a Sopranos mm-hmm. uh, prequel. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Furio, and we're just going to blow your minds. That's what we do. Blow people's minds. <laughs> we try. We do. There is no try. We do. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, anyway, this was a, a fantastic experience. I'm glad we got to speak about the White Lotus. We did it. We talked about a show that came out in 2021. Rod, mm-hmm. my friend, until next time. Hasta la vista, baby.